This poor fellow isn't sharp. He's weary and confused. He doesn't care about us, and he probably doesn't know what he's talking, 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 talking about. And you, you are puzzled. Welcome to I'm Sick of This Place. I'm your host, Chad Becker, and I got a kick in the teeth. Today, I'm feeling okay, but things have been going pretty well, and yesterday, I opened up my mail to see I owed my unemployment back to the state, $3,624. Now, I saved it. I didn't spend it because I'm not retarded. So I did quickly pay it back, but um, I could have fought it. And if I did, it could have been a lengthy process. I mean, I went on Reddit and I seen people who needed to pay back about 10 times as much. Um, they ended up, you know, calling multiple times, um, writing letters, writing to their state representatives, writing to Congress, writing to all sorts of people to try to get it resolved. Um, for me, I don't want to put in that effort. Uh, I was shocked to get the money in the first place because <clears throat> when I applied for it, they were giving me an issue because I left a job and then eight months later at the next job, I get laid off and they were trying to, uh, you know, make up excuses to why I shouldn't have got it because, Hey, when you start a job, you don't want to work at another job. When you get a better job, it doesn't it make more sense to leave the other job anyways. <clears throat> So, that was a swift kick in the teeth I got because things were going pretty well. Um, what's next? Oh, I seen a billboard, and I did vote for the midterms, unfortunately. I don't, if, there's only two things I believe right now. Either don't vote or vote third party because as Chris Hedges has beautifully wrote about there is uh, not really a functioning democracy. Everyone is bought and sold by the oligarchs and the corporate elite. So, <clears throat> with that in mind, I do what I think is best, which is either don't participate in the charade or... You do, but you vote third party, and either way, you know, you're not supporting the two parties that are practically the same. Um, so this billboard I seen, it said, it said, uh, vote Democrats, um, we support, uh, ah, fuck, it, it was something... It just like built up. It was like, support the Democrats. We support elections. We support um, women's rights. And we won't storm the Capitol. 
which was hilarious to me because that because te- what is the mindset that all Republicans are MAGA Republicans? They're not. Not all Republicans like Donald Trump. That would be the same. Here, here's what my interpretation: vote Republican. We will protect babies. We will. Um, I don't know, but the, the third instead of we won't storm the Capitol, it'll be we won't burn down your cities. Because if you want to take that as in all republic, all Republicans are MAGA, then you can say all Democrats are the people that when George Floyd died were burning down and rioting. You can say that. If that billboard, whoever funded that, if a Republican funded that, it would make complete sense to me. Um, I just want to play a little clip. This is going to be another clip one. Not a lot of, uh, I haven't had a chance to really think of skits. So I'm going to play the first clip. As we all know, politicians lie very well. And I just want to read two sections from the Biden infrastructure um, biff that passed quite some time ago. Because what he's talking about coal is not what's happening. In fact, <clears throat> the whole idea of hydrogen, I think, <clears throat> sorry is to switch over to keep coal in business because this is section 40314. You know what? It's always weird. Instead of saying zero, people say O. That's always been weird. It always bothered me, but I do it because everyone, it's just so ingrained because everyone does it. Anyways, so section Four zero three one four. You can look this up if you don't believe me. Additional clean hydrogen programs creates a program to create four clean hydrogen hubs for production, processing, delivery, storage, and end use of quote clean hydrogen. So, four. This program creates four clean hydrogen hubs. You decide which one gets an extra. So at least one hub is required to demonstrate the production of clean hydrogen from fossil fuels. Hmm. At least one regional hub is required to demonstrate the production of clean hydrogen from renewable energy. At least one regional hub is required to demonstrate the production of clean hydrogen from nuclear energy so you have at least one of each and you need an extra so you tell me which one gets an extra because it's pretty sure it's going to be fossil fuels and it's going to be coal and probably i i mean i know it's coal and i would assume maybe natural gas because the next section for clean hydrogen production qualifications 
states, develops a standard for the term clean hydrogen, which has a carbon intensity equi- equal to or less than two kilograms of, car- of carbon dioxide equivalent produced at the state of production per kilogram of hydrogen produced. So, if when I read that, it made sense to you because I uh, don't have a good mouth. Um, in layman terms, it's stating that in, for one hydrogen, you need you can produce two carbon dioxide. To me, that doesn't seem clean to me. If what is causing the climate change is being produced twice or two times as much as the clean energy. Does that really seem like clean energy to you? So just ponder that. And uh, I'll play that clip one more time to, to for you guys to listen to what uh, Biden actually is saying. And that it's a lie. And he knows it. Well, we're definitely going to be relying on it to create our clean hydrogen-based economy. So, I don't know about that, Mr. President. Anyways, on to another of my favoritest topics. Um, The CIA. Going to bring you a, a long amount of clips Government so cheap. Simpson's stupid nigga, blah blah blah. Fucking a man. CIA man. It's just in a dozen. Get the mom to kill their uncaged cousins. Fucking a man. CIA man. So that was uh, CIA Man by the Fugs. I thought it would be a good intro for these clips. And uh, the first one is something Edward Snowden leaked. Um, And it is from a CIA agent in 1983 about uh, disinformation circulation. (laughs) Say that five times fast. I can't. Disinformation circulation. You briefed the press, did you not, when you were there? Well, I had several jobs. One of my jobs was that of analysts. Uh, I also was an interrogator and indeed briefed the press when we, the CIA, wanted to uh, circulate disinformation on a particular issue. Disinformation is not necessarily uh, not necessarily a lie. It may be a half truth. And uh, we would pick out a journalist. I would go do the briefing and um, hope that he would put the information in print. For instance, uh, if we wanted to get uh, across to the American public that the North Vietnamese were building up their force structure in South Vietnam, I would go to a journalist and advise him that in the past uh, six months, X number of North Vietnamese forces had come down the Ho Chi Minh Trail system through southern Laos. Now, there is no way a journalist can check that information. 
So either he goes with the information or he doesn't, and ordinarily or usually the journalist would go with it because it, was, it looked like some kind of exclusive. And um, I would say our percentage uh, planning that kind of data was uh, 70 to 80 percent. So I'm kind of confused. Does he, so he says half truth and then we plant evidence 70 to 80 percent. So does that mean 70 percent to 80 percent of the time it's a full lie? Because at that point, if you're making mashed potatoes and 70 to 80 percent of it is complete bullshit, would you not say that the potatoes are bullshit? Or would you consider them still mashed potatoes? That's my question, because to me, it's all bullshit. The correspondents we targeted were those who had terrific influence, the most uh, respected journalists in Saigon, like Robert Chaplin of the New Yorker magazine, Kai's Beach uh, of the Los Angeles Times from time to time, and also he worked for the Chicago Daily News. Um, Bud Merrick of U.S. News and World Report, uh, Malcolm Brown of the New York Times, even Maynard Parker of Newsweek magazine. Uh, we would uh, go after these gentlemen. Uh, I would uh, be directed to cultivate them, to spend time with them at uh, the Caravelle Hotel or the Continental Hotel, to socialize with them, and, and slowly but surely to try to gain their confidence by dolloping out uh, valid information, information which was true. And then I would drop in a, into a conversation the data that we wanted to get across, which might not be true. Uh, one piece of data, for instance, uh, that uh, we managed to plan in the New Yorker magazine had to do with uh, a supposed North Vietnamese effort in 1973 to develop airfields along the border of South Vietnam. The reason we wanted to plant this information was that we were trying to persuade the U.S. Congress that Saigon should be continued to should continue to get a great deal of aid, uh, and that uh, the North Vietnamese were the chief violators of the ceasefire accord. That was printed in uh, the New Yorker magazine under the byline of Robert Chaplin, as indeed was a great deal of such information, which. Uh, which we trying to circulate. If I planted a piece of information with a reporter, I would ordinarily then try to create an environment in which he could not check the information. I would go to the British ambassador and brief him on the disinformation I had just given the reporter. So when the reporter wanted to cross-check what I told him with, uh, say, the British ambassador, New Zealand ambassador, or what have you, he would get false confirmation, the same message coming back at him. He'd say, aha! I've got proof that Frank Snap told me the truth, when in fact, what he'd gotten was simply an echo of what uh, I'd given him in the first place via the British ambassador or other of our friendly diplomatic contacts. I am, as an ex-CI agent, uh, opposed to the disinformation activities uh, in which I was involved. I admit that I was involved, and I think it uh, uh, served no useful purpose propagandizing the American uh, public or Congress is not the CIA's job. But it is the CIA's job and they continue to do it to this day. And if you don't believe me, you're retarded and I can't help you. And that's the funny thing. 
is anytime I see a headline that says CIA or FBI finds this or does that, I know it's bullshit. And the funny thing is a lot of people will share it, post it, swear it, claim it as nothing but the truth. And it's not. It's not. The CIA, the FBI, all they do is propagandize you and take over countries, overthrow. Here's the thing. When I seen that, if you want to go back a month or however long ago, the whole Trump files in Margot Lago, I knew that was complete bullshit. And I think I said it on here. I didn't believe it. Because knowing what the 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 shitty track record and the the history of what they've done, um, and if I could memorize stuff, and if I if I could speak more eloquently, um, maybe I could articulate better. And I have to pause when I try to do these words because I got to make sure my mouth is sort of reset because. I can't talk correctly. I'm retarded. How many times do I have to tell you people that? Um, so yes, anytime in the news it cites CIA or FBI sources, know that it's bullshit or it's mashed potatoes that are 70 to 80% bullshit. And I'm, not, I'm still not eating it. You might. You people love it. You people love diarrhea-filled mashed potatoes. But not I. Actually, they were in the right order, and I got confused um, with the clips because they're all... They're not, like, listed as they should. They're all, like, 18-digit numbers because I'm lazy when I find them and I don't change them. Um, so I think... I think next. Uh, take a break. Take a break. And I'll talk briefly about an encounter with a BFG. And a BFG is short for Big Fat Gay. And I mean that in the simplest terms of that's what he was. Uh, he was big, as in fat and tall. He was uh, fat. And he was gay because, I mean, it was evident, you know. They had the speech down. And um, it was just a brief encounter. Because when you run across a BFG, it's quite, for me at least, it's, it's not ever a good encounter. Because typically a BFG, you are hearing their breath. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to hear anybody's breath, let alone a BFG's. I mean, I don't know. I might be getting hit with some um, internal sense. You know, there could be some cum stuck in between the teeth. And that and that is uh, hitting me in the nose that I didn't ask for. And uh, I don't like it. I don't like he smelling people. 
in that typically a BFG in my circulation of encountering them in the wild, they smell. Um, so I don't like hearing people breathe. I don't like the smell and I don't like anybody wearing flip flops that, um, you hear them flip and flop all the time when they walk that. So you have, I'm getting berated, berated by both scent and, well, I was going to say scent smell, but scent will smell and hearing and seeing I'm getting berated. I mean, the only thing was touch. I'm not touching a BFG. And I, God damn, I don't want them to touch me. Um, so yeah, anytime you run into a BFG, it's not in my, in my world, in my neck of the woods, in my experience of life, it's never a pleasant experience. Even if they're a pleasant person, the just presentation of themselves is unpleasant. Um, <laughs> um, and I guess that kind of segues into the, and it, it got a little popular of the barista at Starbucks breaking down and crying in any time I have a rough day at work, especially recently, I like to think of the war that's currently going on. And by the war, I mean the war in Yemen. Okay. I got you there, didn't I? Because <laughs> they're still fighting. They're still fighting. Yeah, I bet you thought I was going to say um, the war in Ukraine, but no. I'm saying the war in Yemen. <laughs> but uh, here we go. Time to play it. I need a union at Starbucks, and I am literally about to quit. Like, I, I don't know if I'm going to do it, but, like, I really want to. I almost walked out today, and I'm crying in the back room right now, and I almost cried on the floor. It's just, I like, I get, I'm, like, a full-time student. I get scheduled for 25 hours a week, and then on weekends, they schedule me the entire day, open to close. I'm on the schedule for eight and a half hours, both Saturday and Sunday. I'm, like three and a half hours into my shift there's so many customers and we have four people on the floor all day so right off the bat i want to say like yeah dude pro union fuck yeah get a union but i also want to say stop bitching there has been numerous stories of single mothers or single fathers let's not discount all the lads out there all the fathers um, raising a child or multiple by themselves, that does happen. But there are a lot of single parents out there who work a full-time job, somehow go to school full-time, and somehow raise their child or children. So you should calm down a little bit because... You don't have it as rough as those people. And once again, you don't have it as rough as those in Yemen. So, calm down. Take a deep breath. Or just fucking quit because it is Starbucks. And I'm sure you can get a shitty job 
anywhere else because there's plenty of shady jobs out there if you look. So just quit. That's my. <laughs> Only five people were put on the schedule, and somebody had to call out. And there are four people running the whole store, and there's so many customers, and there's possibly scheduled five people. <laughs> We only have 13 people employed at this store, and there's so many customers. We don't have fair scheduling. Managers don't care about us. Our manager was supposed to come in this weekend, and he took himself off the schedule, so he wouldn't be able to be held accountable for calling out. He just literally tore down the schedule that he was scheduled on and put up a new schedule where he wasn't on the schedule. Also, he couldn't have even seen that he was scheduled in the first place because he didn't want to be held accountable for not wanting to come in. Absolute power corrupts absolutely, <laughs> and I don't. I'm I'm not shocked that a manager would do that because I wouldn't want to be around a bunch of cries. They don't want to help us. We need a union because this can't happen. This can't happen. We need fair scheduling. We need managers to hold themselves accountable for helping their workers they refuse to turn mobile orders on we need the liberty to be able to do that because there's so many mobile orders and i need to get through all of them and then people are yelling at me because i don't have their orders ready and they don't know what to do <laughs> and a customer was misgendering me tonight like really badly i didn't have their order ready and so they were just like totally talking to each other and they're like she's clearly incompetent i have a full mustache and beard <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> I don't get accommodations for being neurodivergent. I don't... Literally neurodivergent. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get the definition because it is baffling. It literally means everything and nothing at the same time. And it's, and it's not even like clinically diagnosed. Dude, I'm probably... I'm, I'm going to claim it. I'm neurodivergent. Fuck it. I'm neurodivergent. The light, okay, I had a sh I had a job at a pizza place, Little Caesars, and we would be understaffed, and I would just deal with it. You'd get and instead of channeling sorrow, you would channel hate. That's what I would do. Like I can't. You, like I, people get mad at me for too much sick time. I don't even know what to do anymore. I'm like at my wits end with this job. I really am. So it's quite sad. That person should quit. If it's that horrible, just fucking quit. I'm sure your parents, I'm sure you, you might, you probably still live at home. And there's nothing wrong with living at home, especially the way things are in the current situation of the world. Everything costs so goddamn much. They want you to stay at home <laughs> and live at home. I mean, other cultures around the world and countries, I guess you could say, um, have multi-generational homes. And I think that's might be what's going to happen in America because everything is getting so goddamn expensive. Uh, yeah. So I, I do think the person in there is right that they do need a union. Or channel your, or how about this? Start poisoning the customers. If you poison the customers, then there will be less customers. Or burn them. Just fucking be like, ah, cry, and then like spill it on them. Ah. But then, I don't know. <clears throat> I wonder what city that is.
I wonder. I like how they weren't trans, but they are neurodivergent. You always are something. You always got some sort of special thing to make you special. Because nobody has personality anymore. Everyone confuses personality traits for having some sort of diagnosis, for having some sort of mental disorder. Depression is not a personality trait. ADHD is not a personality trait. Being bipolar is not a personality trait, people. As some of you remember, or might remember, uh, from an intro ago, when I drive on the highway, I pick my nose, and I might see. And researchers discovering a potential link between picking your nose and Alzheimer's disease. Let's bring in GP Dr. Brad Mackay. Morning, Brad. Boy, we didn't see this one coming, but it's important, <laughs> right? Um, t- talk us through it. Yeah, so again, this is very preliminary research. They're, they're looking at mice, um, but we're trying to adapt that for humans as well. And so what, what they found is that um, there is a particular bacteria called Chlamydia pneumoniae. Um, that they were awful. Yeah, it is pretty awful. It causes a lot of pneumonia in humans and can also cause some infection in mice And what they're finding is that where where your olfactory nerves are, so we're going from your brain to the to the top of your nose, um, the the actual bacteria could enter through your nose into that nerve and then find its way to the brain. And then once it's in the brain, then your brain or this mouse's brain um, creates a response uh, of amyloid proteins, which are very similar to the response that we get uh, or that we see in Alzheimer's disease. So one of the hypotheses here is that it could be that picking your nose or plucking your nose hair um, could enable this bacteria, so chlamydia pneumonia, to get into your brain through your nose and then could be a trigger for Alzheimer's disease. If that's true, I'm going to be fucked because I, I'm fucking 27 and I pick my nose on the highway. Judge me however you want. Everyone has a nasty ass habit, Okay. Okay, I've, I'm not eating them. I don't know where the stigma of picking your nose got got so bad. Um, sometimes that's the only way to get the booger out. And I will tell you I'm fine saying that. That I pick my nose because it helps clean it. Okay? If you had a dingleberry on your butt, would you leave it? Or would you try to just wipe it away and then smear it around? Or because it's fossilized and hard, you can't wipe it away and you just pull hair. Or you pluck it. Would you pluck a dingleberry? I would. I have. It's the same as picking your nose, in my opinion. And now, the real world of vampires in New Orleans. Mind you, this was published, um, you know, in October still. Um, something can't just came to the surface and everything felt right for once in my life. I had this notion that there was more to it than just pointy teeth. He didn't know what to call the feeling at the time or that it would lead him to New York, to New Orleans. But he knows that it was an awakening, his first taste of life as a vampire. Lore found belonging in New Orleans and never left. Now a crafter of bespoke acrylic fangs himself, he has risen up 
the reluctantly accepted role of king of the Big Easy's vampire court. Being a vampire, or being part of the vampire court of New Orleans is about all of us coming together. A victory for one person is a victory for all of us. Well, if you're a person, are you a vampire still? A victory, I would say a victory for one vampire. We're all just kind of a sink or a swim. This is fucking insane. Imagine, where are the humans that are gluing dog hair to themselves, prompting around as as Sasquatch or wolves or dogmen? Hum- I wonder... I wonder if it's going to get into human vampire hunters. Hmm. Human vampires live, and they're fairly far from the fictional characters we recognize. Their interpretations of vampirism varies widely. One of them feed off energy or sexual encounters, but feeding habits and fangs are just trappings, trappings of a community that is a div- diverse as it is misunderstood by non-vampires. Dude, you're acting as if this is a thing. You're acting as if, like, I've wandered around at night and seen a fucking gathering of vampire, human vampires. No. No. The best I have seen is a gathering of young deaf people, and I thought they were just dancing with their hands. You may not even know they're vampire because they're fucking not. They're not them. You may not even know they're a vampire because they're not. They're fictional. At least not if you're searching for the stereotypical tip-offs. There are no restrictions for self-identifying vampires. They're no bound to nocturnal life or require worship of fictional vampires. The vampires sometimes spelled vampires, V-A-M-P-Y-R-E-S, if you want to be extra classy and extra retarded and extra gay of today are in essence people from different backgrounds with common goal belonging who found a community with fellow vampires living as a vampire is a subversive choice a proud rejection of social norms and in that way is empowering way to live said john edgar browning a professional liberal <laughs> a professor professor of liberal arts at savannah college of art and design who spent years studying vampire communities in new york buffalo new orleans and buffalo new york years he spent years in communities researching human vampires what the fuck i didn't know mental illness was this strong Human vampires make access to the infinite potentials that exist for exposing and unfixing the repressive and oppressive categories out of which marginalization is born, he told CNN. So in a way, these vampires are therapeutic for us. So this is therapy. So this is no different than cosplaying, yet you never take it off and you just assume this role. CNN spoke to two giants of their respective communities, Lore of New Orleans and Murtakis, the co-founder of the Atlanta Vampire Alliance, about their lives, their joys, their misconceptions, and vampirism they'd like to permanently put to rest. I wonder how old these people are. Oh, okay. Okay. Firstly, 
So this is this looks like a maybe a thirty-eight year old. Okay. Firstly, there is a few modern day vampires consume blood. For oh, firstly, yes, a few modern day vampires consume blood, often from consenting donors, typically loved ones or partners in small amounts, but abstain from or condone the practice and instead find substance in sexual encounters. So this is just a kink. This is just a kink. This is a role play of people who want to be fucked by vampires and people who want to be vampires fucking people who either are or are not vampires with a little blood in the mix. Encounters from which they can derive energy, lore, and murticus among them. When strangers... Well, you if you tantra sex is kind of uh, merging of uh, energy, if I remember correctly. Uh, when strangers fear and ask Lore if he'll drink their blood, he quips, "No, that's called murder." Um, okay. While the uninitiated are usually most interested in feeding habits, Lore said that hardly what matters to vampires. He asked. He compared asking a vampire about their feeding habits to asking a non-vampire whether they eat cold cuts. What? What? Okay. Lore. It, uh, okay. When strangers feign fear and ask Lore if he dr he'll drink their blood, he quips, no, that's murder. While the uninitiated are usually most interested in feeding habits, Lore said it's hardly what matters. He compared vampires about their feeding habits to asking non-vampires whether they eat cold cuts. I don't understand that. But because because you're first you're saying that some do, <coughs> but not all. Okay, that makes sense to eating cold cuts. But then they're consenting donors... Are we consenting to getting eating cold cuts? I don't understand how I don't under it's a weird it's a weird thing to to go to cold cuts. I could understand if he's feeding habits to maybe what's something weird people can do. I don't know. Whatever. Many vampires don't fit the arch types, brain stroker, a.k.a. all popularized. There are people who often work day jobs that, well, I assume. Lore is a graphic designer, DJ, and jeweler. Of course he is. Murticus is an expert in antique, antique furnishings. Of course you are. And most human vampires weren't even drawn to the community because they idolized Dracula. The ethnographic studies of human vampires... There is a there. I can click on this. What is the ethno anthropographic real vampires of New Orleans ethno research towards comparative ethnology? Tell me, tell me the race, the races. Finally, examining particular constructs, subculture, deviance, in my term, defined culture. I will. Dude, I'm not read. This is like, this is so long. Fuck that. Browning said he found the members of the vampire communities were mostly drawn to each other for social elements, not their affinity for vampire media. I wouldn't even call them vampire fans at all. Merely people with a shared history from their adolescence 
an innate need for blood or energy. But you said it's not necessarily about blood. And a shared need to find others like themselves who are accepting. So these are people, weird people that want to drink blood. Murdicus was seeking answers from other others like him when he joined vampire chat rooms in 1996. Okay. So yeah, he's like fucking 40. Uh, after noting for years when he could draw strength from charged situations. What the fuck does that mean? He quickly came to realize that was psychic feeding. Yeah, motherfucker. I talked previously how I got in a psychic battle. And, I, and I'm and i a psychic vampire, bitch. Can I join? I'm not dressing all fucking gay and retarded and dyeing my hair and getting dumbass facial hair and wearing fucking necklaces and 18 armbands and trying to look like dumbass Johnny Depp. Um, I've never felt as though my body or even this time period aligns with my spirit or soul. Many people say that. Or more simply, I was felt different about me that I couldn't quite put my finger on it. Most people think that. Uh, he made friends in those chat rooms that are still in his life today and offline. Those connections have grown even stronger. Lore found those connections when he first visited New Orleans 24 years ago, day before Halloween. And he's lived there ever since. Now that they're his family, he he's eked out of a significant role in the NOLA vampire scene. Aside from his Fangsmith business, he's a mentor to young vampires, a role he stumbled into by accident by accepting nonetheless. He resists being called a keeper of po- Keeper of peace between vampires in the area, although he's known to regularly console and remove. So there are vampire turf wars, I guess. There are the bloods in the in the energy. I don't know. Is there bloods in the crypts? Vampires. Um, we all just want to get along and be loved. That's why I love the vampire community so much. It doesn't fucking matter what race, what gender you are. You are accepted. What people get wrong about vampires? Oh, is this not about... Okay, yeah, they're still talking. Um, Many human vampires remain out of the public eye due to misconceptions of what it means to be vampires and fear of reprisal from what people know. Murticus said he works to educate people that vampires is an amalgamation of physical, mental, and spiritual attributes, and vampires are largely productive members of society. This is just weird. So are you trying to make it a religion now? Both vampires say they resist being recognized solely for the fact that they identify as vampires, and they certainly resist aesthetic stereotypes of vampirism. Murticus said he doesn't wear fangs or goth clothes, and Lore describes his night nighttime style as snazzy stew weaver and 80s rock and roll. Well, when he's crafting his fangs, he prefers to keep it casual. <sighs> what the f- I think I'm done with this. This is just retarded. <clears throat> the humanity of a vampire has struck a chord with his audience. Um, 
There's more to life than vampirism. Both Lore and Murticus said that vampirism doesn't occupy their entire lives. Both are in committed relationships with non-vampires. And being a vampire is just one facet of who they are. I'm sure it's a weird, like, kink, kind of like uh, how people, specifically women, more or less, uh, love serial killers and have a weird fascination with them. So I can understand how, like, women would like to fuck somebody who thinks they're a vampire. Murticus Vampire Alliance of Atlanta has evolved into a relatively small titanite crew of aging vampires. He said, well, no shit, you're aging. Uh, some vampire groups in New York are a highly influential, almost political organization. Ohio has vampires? Ohio's vampire communities are mostly psychic feeders, according to Marcus. Every vampire house, coven, or court has its own tradition. I wonder if Ohio's vampire community, um, since they're mostly psychic feeders, ha- depend heavily on the um, Ohio State-Michigan-Michigan Michigan State rivalry. Most, uh, like, you can just see them walking in the crowds, feeding off people. Damn, I should go to one of those uh, games and try to find, a f- dress like a vampire hunter, and try to find them. Most of us communicate with one another, even if we approach the path of vampirism from different avenues, or beliefs, or practices. Vampires of all kinds, from all over the U.S., want support and to protect the people who have become their family. Like family, they squabble and disagree. But the goal... Is always unity. This is fucking weird. But where are. Where are the people that are werewolves? Because we all know that. Wasn't it. Uh, can I spell it right? Lycanthropy. Yeah. Um, wasn't it a mental disorder at one point? Where you're like, I'm a wolf. Mental illness. Maybe lycanthropy is an unusual belief or delusion in which patients think he or she has been transformed into an animal. Oh, So lycanthropy is just a vague term for being a furry now. Or wanting to be a furry. Okay. So, do you think do you think vampires in the furry community clash? I would love to see that fight. I would love to see a fight between the vampires and the furries. I think the furries would win. Oh, and throw in the, the can you throw in the pup play? Okay, so a three way battle: vampires, furries, pup play. Although there's kind of a is isn't there kind of cross mingling between furries and pup play people? Um, because those definitely seem to be more of an alliance thing, becoming anthropomorphic animals. Um, so do we have zombie people? Do we okay? Okay, so we have vampires, we have lycanthropy, uh, furry, uh, pup play people, we have cat people. Um, now, do these animal people, do they fight with the vampires? That is interesting to me. Do we have any Frankenstein monster people? Um, I guess we have, definitely we have... Um, Dr. Frankenstein people that could be considered uh, like a Jeffrey Dahmer type. Wasn't he trying to make some weird fucking sex zombie thing? I don't know. I haven't watched that series. I don't give a fuck how good it is. I don't care. 
I don't cave to peer pressure when it comes to show. I will watch Godzilla again and again. Um, I think I have two more clips. Um, and I got one last clip. And I guess it'll be the outro for today. And it is an old clip of David Icke saying stuff. And the thing about all these conspiracy people, whether you believe them, love them, or hate them, just like The Simpsons, if you're in the game long enough and you and you put out enough content, some shit's going to hit. Some shit's going to be correct and right. And it, it will be kind of spooky. Um, so here we go with, uh, I, think, I think it's from the 90s of David Icke. So you're talking about, Jesus, 30 years ago, give or take. And uh, with this, I bid you adieu. Have a great uh, rest of your week. They were going to create new viruses in laboratories that were resistant to drugs, that they were going to use that to cull the population, that they were going to use vaccinations to cull the population, and also that they were going to uh, change the way that healthcare treated old people so that more and more old people died um, and didn't go long into, into life because from their extraordinarily sick perspective, old people are useless to them. And what we're looking at now very clearly is this attempt to play that card of mass global immunization with a, a uh, excuse of this manufactured virus to uh, get access to the, the bodies, the body computer systems, as I would say, of, of, of almost everyone on the planet. And they're not doing that because they want to protect people from anything. Crikey, the force that's saying be vaccinated is the force that created the virus which they're saying be vaccinated against. They're doing this to get access to the global population for very, very malevolent reasons. And um, what people need to realize is that these uh, families do not come from the same perspective of life and respect that we do. They, they see humans like cattle, nothing more than cattle, and most humans see cattle. They uh, therefore have no empathy with the consequences for the human population of their actions. So if people say, they'd never do that, mate, no, no, you'd never do that. They do it all the time.